So we're in a series titled Elemental. And this is week three of the series. And if you remember when we started, we talked about what something elemental was. Something elemental is something that is uh, important. It is uh, from the beginning. It, it, it is uh, a part of the things that is building on, a building block. And we've talked about different things that are elemental to our faith. The first week we talked about reading the Bible. Yes, we promote highly and encourage you to read the Bible. The Word of God needs to be read on a daily basis, and not just little pieces here and there, but as a whole and in context. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. We're living in a time with so much technology, which can be good, it can be bad. At the end of the day, technology in and of itself is not evil or good, is what you do with it, right? But I see that technology has really hindered the growth of Christians, in many cases. Pastor, what are you you talking about? Well, you're sick and you want to stand upon a Bible promise, so you go to Google and you search Bible verses on healing. And it brings you all these Bible verses on healing. Anybody ever done that? I've done that. But here's what happened. We do that for any promise that we want. And we get that verse and we read it and we declare it, but we don't read what's around it. And many times those promises are an effect to a cause. I was sharing with the men that I meet with on Friday mornings during our lighthouse. We were talking about Bible study the other day. And I always say that to me, the perfect example of the importance of reading scripture as context is when you read Psalm 91 paralleled with Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4... Jesus is tempted by Satan. Do you remember the story? And Satan tells Jesus, the first temptation is, hey, you're hungry, you've been fasting 40 days. Get a stone, if you're the son of God, and convert it into bread. Jesus answers by saying, it is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the the devil, Satan, he heard that, and he said, aha, Let me tempt him with scripture. So the next temptation, he lifts him up to a high place and he says, jump, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, lest your foot dash against a stone. And if you go to Psalm chapter 91, you find that verse. And I'm going to read it to you real quickly. In Psalm chapter 91, you will see the verse where it says, In verse number 12, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's an amazing promise, but it's an effect to verses nine and 10, where it says, verse nine, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It is a promise for the person who has made God their dwelling place. So if God isn't number one in your life and you're not dwelling in his presence, it don't apply to you. 
We claim verses as parents where it says, train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they're not going to depart. But we, we just read over the fact that train a child requires effort. Train a, a child requires specific instruction, routine. We pray, we read the Bible. We, it, it, my wife's been doing something with the girls lately where she asks them every day to say five things that they can see were a blessing from God in their life. Five things that they're thankful for that day. Why are we trying to teach them that now, training them? Because, oh my God, it's so easy to look at the crap in our lives. Not realizing that there's a heck of a whole lot of good in it. See, training requires effort. And so as a believer, it is elemental to get into the word of God as a whole on a daily basis. The second thing we talked about with our, our brother Abby preached last Sunday was prayer. Prayer is our conversation to God. And it is imperative for us to pray, as the Bible says in Thessalonians, without ceasing, never stopping to pray. How does that look, pastor? Are you just in a corner praying all day long? No. As I drive, I talk to God. As I shower, I sing and I talk to God. I can't afford not to. Because if I don't, the flesh comes out. So I need to stay connected to the one that keeps me grounded. So it's elemental. And today we're going to talk about a third thing that's elemental, but before I tell you what it is, I'm going to read some scripture. So go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts, chapter number two. If you've got your Bible today, can you lift it up? Who's got a Bible in their hands? Okay, I give you props, much better than Spanish service. But I encourage you, get a Bible, read it, hold it, so you can highlight it, so that if the technology doesn't work, you can still have it. In first service, the screen stopped working for a minute, so then nobody could read the verse other than the ones that had it in their hand. So get a Bible if you don't have one, a physical one. Bring it to church with you, okay? Devour it and eat it. But we're in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Acts, chapter number 2. When you've got it, say amen. We're going to begin to read in verse number 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. Verse number 39. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Well, we're going to read a, a, a rattle off a section of verses here from Acts. So you can flip through them or jot them down. Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. 
But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Verse 13. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Chapter 8, verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, to give you the context for a second, this is the Ethiopian eunuch who was in a chariot reading the scripture right after Jesus dies, resurrected, and ascends into heaven. And Philip is told by God to go. Philip goes, he hears him talking, and he tells him, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, I don't know if I don't have a teacher. So Philip teaches him the word, and the guy immediately says, I believe I need to get baptized. If you flip over to chapter number 9, verse 18, here's another example. Watch. Immediately, they fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. This is the conversion story of Paul. Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians, he was an assassin of Christians. That's what he did for the Jewish synagogue for the temple he found christians and murdered them on his way to damascus jesus shows up to him and he is blinded by this light he says who are you lord and why are you coming and jesus is like it's me the one you're persecuting so god tells ananias paul is coming saul is coming to you and saul's like and ananias is like bro god I, I mean are you missing it or are you legitimately telling me i've heard this guy's killing people like me and god's like i got a plan for him so saul comes to ananias blind he was blinded at conversion and Ananias lays hands on him, and it says that something like scales fell off and immediately received his sight. And what's the first thing he did? He got up and got baptized. Now, when Paul and Silas were in the jail in chapter 16, they begin to worship God and they're set free. The jailer is going to go kill himself because he's like, the prisoners probably escaped. And if you go to chapter 16, verse 33, Paul and Silas say, no, 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 we're all here. And the jailer took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Church, today we're going to talk about something elemental in the life of a Christian, and it's baptism. Baptism. Now, before those of you who have already been baptized say, tune out and say, I'm good, I already know what baptism is. Let me get you and let you know God's going to show you something today and don't tune out and stop thinking what you're thinking of. I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message because they should get baptized. God wants to speak to you this morning. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, we find six procedures or steps for a Christian. Verse number 1 and two of Hebrews chapter six, and they read like this. 
Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to the perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Verse 2 of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. There's six things here, and they happen in order. Go back to verse number one, please. So it is the repentance from dead's works, number one. Faith increases, faith towards God's number two. Number three, in verse number two there, go to number, verse number two. Number three is baptism, the baptism of water and baptism in the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of baptisms. The laying on of hands is number four. The resurrection of the dead is number five, and then eternal judgment. This happens in the life of a believer in order. Baptism is rudimentary, elemental in the life of a believer. And you ask this question, why is baptism so important? Why is baptism so important? And if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I want you to jut this down. Baptism is the covenant seal of the new covenant we have with God. Baptism is the covenant seal of the new covenant. Covenant is not something we use very often. Covenant is very different than a contract. We do a lot of contracts. Contracts primarily have a beginning and an expiration date, but a covenant, covenant means to cut. A covenant is something that is lasting. A covenant requires blood. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Isn't that what Jesus said at the Lord's Supper? This is the new covenant in my blood. So if Jesus said this is the new covenant, what was the old covenant? The old covenant was what God did with Abraham at circumcision. God told Abraham, you need to circumcise every male. And every male who is circumcised, I will look down and see the seal of the covenant. And I will bless them. Circumcision was the covenant seal of the old covenant. Baptism, water baptism, is the covenant seal of the New Testament. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, if you go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it's a passage of scripture most believers have read. Jesus said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus didn't say, go and convert and make Christians. No, he said, go and make disciples and baptize them. Baptism is the first thing that we do as a new believer to God as an obedience unto God. And it is the covenant seal. The covenant sign of the new covenant is the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do later this afternoon. The covenant seal is water baptism. The covenant sign, what you see every, every time you do it, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are remembering the new covenant. 
Baptism is the covenant seal. And many people in today's Christianity choose not to get water baptized for a number of different reasons. It's a choice. As a matter of fact, some people have asked me, if I come to Christ and I don't get baptized, do I still go to heaven? Well, I'm going to give you a maybe yes. Watch. The thief on the cross could not sneak off the cross and go get baptized. True or not? If you are on an airplane that's about to crash and you cry out to God and you give him your life and you surrender and you die, you didn't get baptized, you're going to heaven. You're in a foxhole in war and you give your life to Christ. You, you will. But you mean to tell me that Jesus said, go and make disciples that they still surrender and get baptized, but you choose to surrender and not get in the water? Because it's your choice to not obey? See, I would argue this. If you can't get wet for Jesus, you're not going to do anything for Jesus. I'm letting it sink in for a little bit. If you go to Mark 16, Mark 16, again, this is Jesus talking, verses 15 and 16. This is what he says. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Church, baptism is important to God. And I'm going to tell you why. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this second point down. Baptism in water and in the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers us to know Jesus and serve Jesus. Baptism in water and in the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers us to know and serve Jesus. Now, I want to read to you Colossians chapter 2, and then we're going to break this down. Colossians 2, jot it down, verses 11 and 12. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. I want to read these two verses again because I, I know this is something that many people have probably skipped over if they've read it. Again, in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let's talk about natural circumcision for a minute. What is circumcision? In the Jewish tradition and faith, on the eighth day after a boy is born, they cut off the excess skin from the penis of the boy. 
Now, in today's society, if you look up and you can search this medically, why do we circumcise boys? It's for two main reasons. The first one is hygiene. The excess skin, the foreskin in the head of, over the head of the penis, the male organ of a man, if it is there, causes a hygiene issue. So doctors cut it off at the birth of the child on the next day to prevent disease and for hygiene. That's reason number one. Reason number two why we have circumcision. Y'all should see your eyes. Reason number two of why we have circumcision is for sensibility. The head of the penis is the most sensitive part of the male organ. And for future sensitivity, that skin is cut off. Now watch this. The Bible says that in baptism, we are circumcised of the flesh. This is what happens. When you go into the waters of baptism, Jesus cuts off the excess skin of the old man so that we can live a righteous, right-standing hygiene life with God and have sensitivity to his voice and what he says. I ask you again, why is baptism important? See, you die to the old man so that you can have sensitivity and right standing with God. Do you know that there's pictures of baptism in the Old Testament? Let me share one with you. The children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God raises up Moses, who goes with Aaron, and they go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. We've all seen Little Prince of Egypt or whatever, right? Read it in the Bible. It's a little cooler. The children of Israel finally, after the plagues, leave Egypt and get into the wilderness, and they are found or faced with the Red Sea. Moses, at God's direction, extends the rod and the sea opens and the children of Israel begin to cross through this water. They get to the other side. Egypt begins to follow them and God closes the water, leaving Egypt behind in the water. A picture of baptism. The old oppression, the old man, being left behind in the waters of baptism. Do you know what happens to a Christian who chooses to not get baptized? They will live the entire Christian spiritual walk as a spiritual infant. No matter how many preachings they hear, no matter how many times they read scripture, no matter what conferences they go to, they will always stay as a spiritual infant because the old man has not been circumcised and only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can remove that. Some of you perhaps are saying, well, I got baptized as a child. My parents baptized me. That doesn't count. If you were baptized as an infant, it doesn't count. Bless their heart for dedicating you to God. But coming to Christ is a personal choice. Done when we have the right understanding. 
when we know right from wrong and we choose. And we need to choose to be baptized. We need to choose to be able to pursue God and let all those things go. Look what Galatians chapter 3 says. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Verses 26 and 27, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, it says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, verse number 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ put on Christ. Baptized into Christ. I want to tell you something this morning. This Saturday, we're going to have baptisms. It wasn't one that was scheduled from the beginning of the year when we plan out next steps and baptisms. This is an opportunity that we're giving because there's many of you sitting in this place that need to get baptized. Perhaps for the first time, or for the first time since truly surrendering to God. My wife and I were at a pastor's conference in, in, in Dallas, Texas, the first week of October. And Pastor Jimmy Evans brought a message about the supernatural church, and part of that message talked about baptism. And I looked at my wife after he was preaching about all these things, and I said, I need to get ba- I want to get baptized again. And she kind of gave me a look and said, okay. And I said, no, I, I'm serious. I, I want to get baptized. And as he's preaching, he said, you know what? I want to let you guys, this, mind you, I mean, this is a pastor's conference. There was 5,000 pastors and leaders at this building. He said, tomorrow at lunch, we have the baptismal pool set up, and whoever wants to get baptized needs to get baptized. And here's the explanation. He said, he said I got baptized when I was a teenager, but I didn't truly come to Christ till a little later on. And I started to analyze my life. I got saved when I was eight years old, August of 1988. Uh, April of 1989, I got baptized, and it was legitimate. However, as an eight-year-old, I really hadn't gone through much, had I? At an eight-year-old, I really hadn't gone through my doubts and my struggles and my issues. And I would venture to say that my true all-out selling out for God didn't happen till my late teenage years, perhaps even maybe my early 20s, where I totally sold out for God. And I felt God convict me and said, you need to get baptized. I'm 40 years old. I've been an ordained minister for more than 15 years, eight years as a senior pastor, four or five years as a youth pastor, a couple years as a children's pastor. I've baptized hundreds of people in all the different ministries that I've been a part of or whatever. And I said, I looked at my wife and I said, I need to get baptized. With this revelation, with this understanding of the old man being circumcised in me, I need to get baptized. And the next day, that's what I did, both Patty and I. We got in that line, and we said, the old man, the things that I continued to be tempted with or struggled with or losing my temper or different things that I, I, I said, God, I need this all gone. I truly understand this now. And I made the choice to humble. Again, this was a pastor's conference. 
And almost a thousand pastors got in that line to get baptized. They were baptizing from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to almost 2 o'clock. Baptizing people. And as we were getting ready for this series and looking at what were the different things, we looked and we said, we need to give everybody the opportunity to get baptized. For the first time, or some of you, that perhaps you got baptized when you came to Christ. And maybe that was a year ago as an adult, but you truly didn't understand what you were doing. You truly didn't understand that this was a cutting off of the old you. You truly didn't get that there's things that we're still struggling with because we haven't left it at the sea of baptism. Because it hasn't been buried with Christ to raise as a new man. Because it hasn't been cut off for the hygiene and the sensitivity. To be able to walk, some of you perhaps are dealing with the same issue, an addiction, an oppression, something that no matter what you do, you can't get rid of it. It's time to leave it at the water of baptism. You look and you say, no matter how many scriptures I read, no matter how many songs I worship to, no matter what I do, it always comes back and it feels like I can't get ahead. Jesus wants to circumcise it out of your life. So that you can have the ability to walk right and to be sensitive to his voice. If you want to get baptized perhaps for the first time this week, or because now you understand and you want to get baptized, you can go to the church center app and register. There's no, this, this was the class. You don't need to take a baptism class. Okay. As a matter of fact, we might just cut this video out and use it as our baptism class for next steps. I ask you this. If someone's not willing to get wet for Christ, will they really do anything for him at all? I've heard people say, no, I really don't want to get baptized. I want to mess up my hair in this church the next day. You know, when I get out of the water, everybody's going to see how fat I am. Listen, we see it already. Don't worry about it. You ain't hiding anything. Church, I would venture to say that baptism is of supreme importance to the life of a Christian. I would venture to say... That truly understanding that the old man has to die so that we can have circumcision of the excess flesh that brings impurity, that brings lack of sensitivity. And according to scripture, we read a lot of Bible today, according to scripture, You must be baptized. It is elemental to the life of a believer. Some of you perhaps are saying, well, should a kid then be baptized? Yes, I'm telling you, when I got baptized, it was legitimate. It was real. But when I got exposed to other things, even though I never went into the world, I had my issues and my true conversion my true selling out for God was a little later. And I would encourage everyone today to examine their lives and ask themselves the question, 
Was it just the prayer? Was that the day I surrendered to Christ or was it when I really started to apply it? Because baptism is elemental. And right there we are. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And before we move forward, and like I said earlier, we're going to celebrate communion today, which is the covenant sign. It is what we do in remembrance. I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life if you haven't. Or perhaps you've walked away from him and today you say, I want to surrender to him. And if that's you, if today you want to surrender to God, get in right standing with him, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want you to say this with me. Repeat this prayer with me. Church, pray with them and say, God, I'm here. I'm a sinner. And I cannot get to you by myself. I believe that Jesus is your son. That he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to pay the price of my sin, of my unrighteousness. So today, out of my own free will, I ask Jesus to come and live in my heart to write my name in the book of life. And God, I will seal this in the water baptism. In Jesus' name.